I'm Hillary. And I'm Elise. Welcome to RBF Podcast, where we want to have real conversations about farm management, food, health, and everything in between. We'll be sharing the ups and downs of what it's really like living and working on our farms, raising our free-range farm-raised kids alongside our husbands. Join us. Welcome to Real Badass Farmers Podcast. This is sort of our official first episode, and we thought it would be fun to interview each other so that our listeners could get a chance to get to know us as farmers and as moms um, and all the other hats all the wear. other hats that we wear because we wear a lot of hats. Um, so I'm going to interview Elise, and then she will interview me, and we came up with a set of questions to ask each other. Awesome. All right. So we're going to start off with where is your farm? Our farm is located in Kingwood Township, New Jersey in Hunterdon County. Um, we are just east of the river where we we're, we actually can see the Pennsylvania um, border from our farm and we can actually watch the fog from the Delaware River rise. Not to not to. Uh, I mean, we're literally, literally that close. I wanted to tell, I asked how many miles we might even be from the river because we can see the river from our backyard. So we're very close to the Delaware River, which um, we, our mailing address is Frenchtown. So whenever everyone asks us, we always have a, one of those like quick moments of like, well, the township we are in is Kingwood, but Frenchtown is actually the 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 landmark that everyone knows. So we're just up, up uh, the hill from Frenchtown. Okay, great. We're working out the kinks here. So, you know, if you hear stuff like that, it's because we don't really know what we're doing. And we bought really good microphones. Yeah. And, and they pick up everything. They're super and sensitive. And this is still a working farm. So, um, yeah, things are still going on outside. So, sorry it's about fine. that. It, it, it's it's life. real life. It's real life. It's real life. And that's okay. what we are. We're real. Exactly. Here we are. All right. So, what do you farm? So, on our farm, we are a livestock farm. We have chickens, cows, and pigs. We are a regenerative farm. So we are moving our broiling hens and our laying hens over our hay crop fields. And um, our, we have grass-fed beef. So our chickens are um, in chicken tractors moving through our fields and producing eggs and also chicken, obviously. And um, we have broiling hens and we have laying hens. We, we try to keep a, about a thousand laying hens on our farm at a time. Um, in the summertime, we can run about 2,000 to 3,000 broilers across our pastures. And while they're in those pastures, they are fertilizing our hay crop, which is is for the hay for our grass-fed beef operation that we feed our cows through the winter. Um, the same thing goes for our cows. They're moving their way through um, the same pastures, usually ahead of our chickens to kind of eat down that grass and leave leave some grass for the chickens. Then the chickens go in and fertilize. So we're, we're really fertilizing. We use no chemicals, no antibiotics on our farm. Um, we are, our chickens and our cows and our animals are really doing a lot of the work. And as a result of all of their hard work, we end up with delicious meat or delicious eggs at the, at the end of, of that, um, throat. we are a farrow to finish operation with our pigs. So we keep a breed stock of at least three to six, um, uh, oh my gosh, sows and, um, what that means from farrow to finish is our piglets are born here <laughs> and then um, they live they live their life out here until it's time for harvest. So our chicks come as day old chicks. So we know from the day that they're born what goes into them. Therefore, we know what goes into our eggs and our meat products. And um, we also um, we raise our piglets and our cows. Our cows are born on the farm too. So therefore, all of the animals raised on our farm, we know everything that goes into them. Therefore, we know everything that goes into our products and our meat. Excellent. So do you want to follow up with what's your model or did you already sort of answer that? Yeah, that's true. I kind of, kind of answered that question. Um, Pasture-based, regenerative ag, um, we're we're just working really hard on regenerating that soil. Um, we've been doing it for we're, we're nine years of farming now. We've always been doing the pasture based thing. This is not a buzzword for us. This is why we started farming. So my husband's family was more of a little bit of a conventional dairy farmer and a conventional grain farmer, 
and um, we're not grain farmers, but we do have a hay crop. So um, yeah, we, we, we decided to use the animals to do a lot of that hard work and, and regenerating our, our soils back up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where did you grow up? So I didn't grow up on a farm. I actually was born in Trenton, New Jersey, which is the capital of this beautiful state of New Jersey. Um, I was born and raised until I was in about third grade in um, Ewing Township, um, right outside of Trenton. So very city-like. And uh, when I came up here in third grade, I moved to a little town right down the road from here, which is crazy that I'm here. I am like a mile away from where I moved to. Um, And when I came here in third grade, I thought for sure I was never, there was no chance in hell I was ever staying here. And when I turned 18, I was out and I was definitely going back to that city life. Um, But the funny thing is, is that um, I met the right friends and the right people. And um, I, I just, I fell in love with Hunterdon. I fell in love with Kingwood Township. I fell in love with this entire area. And, uh, yeah, we actually, my husband and I went to the same elementary school as our children attend now, like talk about small town, talk talk about not leaving. Um, and I know that's something that I would encourage anyone to, you know, branch outside, but we have this weird thing in Kingwood and anyone listening that's from Kingwood would totally agree with me. This isn't something terrible to say, but the men and the people that grow up around here, they always seem to come back to this area. And it's weird. It's like, they might fizzle away for a good bit. They might move out to California far away. And then they all end up being like really close, which it, it just kind of gives you an example of why they come back. Cause it's very small town. Like I joke around that I was just at a baby shower and I like had to hide my face going in and out of a bar because the, there's, there's always a chance that you're going to know someone cause we're that small town. Okay. Um, so you sort of answered, did you grow up on a farm? No. Yeah. <clears throat> did you ever imagine yourself being a farmer? So I, I definitely did not ever imagine myself being a farmer. I grew up around farming. Um, I was very fortunate to meet some girls my age that were walking distance from where I grew up and they were involved in agriculture for their whole lives. They were um, born and raised on a farm. They showed cows. Their dad made hay. We threw hay all summer. So it was back when, you know, social media and phones and things that didn't exist. So we were out until dark and our parents usually didn't know we came in for dinner and then we were kind of back out. And that was what we were doing. We were putting feed bags on our feet and running through manure piles and halter breaking cows or moving cows. And I'll, I think that it's funny because you don't, I've never ever imagined being on a farm, but I learned a lot of what I use today back there. Like back when I was younger, not knowing it like then that like moving cows, like I learned moving cows and being quiet and looking big when I was very young, because that was just what we did. I was just helping at that time. But now I've used those exact things that I learned as a young do- young girl that I'm now using for my daughter and my son and talking to them. And that, that was kind of like, you know, how I learned a lot of what I know today. So I, I guess I thought that you grew up showing cows. I helped show cows. Okay. I was in 4-H. I, I might've like girls, if you're listening, maybe <laughs> I might've showed a cow like, or helped. I think I might've done a few cow calf pairs with them. Okay. This is going back to the Flemington when the old Flemington fair was. Um, but like, I wasn't like, no, I wasn't like what our kids are doing. No, okay. I was just like the, what do they call it? Backup dancer. Okay. <laughs> just helping out. <laughs> uh, I, okay. I, I, so I want to talk about like, so I gave you a little bit of like, I grew up around farming, didn't think anything of it, kind of got away from, you know, that group of friends. Cause I actually moved to a different high school. So I, when I was in high school, I went to a, a larger high school than my, my uh, friends would have gone to. And I actually wanted to pursue pastry, baking pastry. I wanted to be a pastry chef. It was something I was really passionate about. I worked in some high-end restaurants and I was a line cook through high school, which gave me that like experience that I might have seen if I went to college and, and pursued that dream. And getting that experience made me realize that there was no way I was fit for, I never want, I wanted a family. I wanted things. And I know that the restaurant business is a hard, it's all in. It's so yep. hard. And I give such respect for people that are in that, in that industry. Cause it's hard. It's long hours. It's early mornings or 
like late nights, semi early mornings. Like there's not a lot of sleeping. <laughs> I have to keep touching Elise to my have her stop moving because the microphone is picking this is, this literally is everything up. This is a thing, and this microphone is totally picking everything up. I'm gonna sit on my hand. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I no. Um, so I, I wrote I wrote notes because I talk a lot, and if you know me, you know that I talk a lot. Um, so I technically, um, I was in, you know, I, I was in baking pastry. I graduated high school. I'm out of high school. And then I, um, met my husband that I've known for a long time. Never imagined marrying him. That's, that's another whole story. But, and then why not we had Ava, like we realized that we needed to, you know, know where our food comes from and having the land that we could raise our own food. The cows were always here but there was really nothing else. And that was when we really started to want to know where our food came from. And we, uh, Ava was young and I, and Luke was working a law enforcement job. So I knew I wasn't really going to, I, I didn't know I wasn't going to go back to work, but I didn't ever want to leave our, my young children to somebody else. And it just made it work. So we, he was still working law enforcement. And then at the same time, we started a meet CSA. And a meat CSA, if you don't know what a CSA is, it's community supported agriculture. And we did that for about nine years. And, but that, so that was where I never went back to work. And that's something that I wanted to talk about because <laughs> this not going back to work is frustrating because I've actually been told that I've, I've, I've never worked since in 13 years since I've had Ava. And I think that that is such baloney in the nicest words. Cause if you know me, you know, I curse a lot. And I think that that is something that needs to be talked about with women in agriculture and women that are wearing the hats that we wear, because yeah, we might be able to, I, I might still be able to attend my kids' sporting events. I might still be able to, you know, take my grandmother to the doctor. I might still be able to show up at any kind of functions that I want to, but there's still things happening at home. The farm is still mm -hmm. needing the same kind of attention, whether it's Luke juggling double time or me picking up that pace a little bit ahead, or when I get home, I'm working longer hours. So I can't stand hearing that we don't work. First of all, walk a day in my shoes and forget about it. Like you, you think 10,000 steps by 10 o'clock is great. Check out what your what your numbers would be following someone like us on our farm. Yeah, in general, even in our lifestyle, like farm work plus our lifestyle, and that is something that I wanted to say. So, back to the question: Did I ever imagine myself being a farmer? No, but I got here as fast as I could because I love it. Yeah, I, I love everything about it, and it's a nice balance. I think when you are home with your children, like I can't imagine living a different lifestyle. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I think I would probably want to go back to work, but because we are doing so much all the time, um, <clears throat> we don't get paid hourly. Nope. And that's something that I <laughs> but, think it, that needs to, that's another thing that people don't, they just see that thing. And it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm washing eggs and I'm gathering eggs and I'm, and I'm doing these daily things, but those pay, that, that day of work, isn't a paycheck isn't getting cut at the end of that day. Right. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Like, it's nice. Like you work your nine to five and you look at us as like, Oh, this freedom of life, but your nine to five is paying you. If but I'm it's not, also that if you're not working, you're not getting paid. Yeah. So exactly. any self-employed person, if yep. they, they don't get sick days, like my husband didn't get paternity leave. Yep. He was back working like literally like two days later because yep. he doesn't work. He doesn't get paid. Yep. So I agree. Um, all right. So, I'm sure we're going to get into more of these yeah, subjects sure. as we grow this podcast. Um, but let's move on to what is your favorite part of farming? So it's very cliche. Um, I would say that my favorite part of farming is being able to work beside my husband daily and work with my kids. But that and, and that truly is in my heart. My favorite thing to do is be able to, you know, all kind of suit up and go out and get things done. And at the end of the day, sitting down for dinner all together and talking about the day that we've had and the experiences and, and just the ge general, like accomplishing things throughout that day, but also, um, you know, coming back to the table at the end of the day and either you know, if there was a struggle, if there was something funny that happened, we were all together to witness it. And I think that that's super special. 
But outside of that, my favorite part of farming is new life. And mm. it's it's new life of bringing new life to the farm, whether it's the chicks that I pick up at the post office. I love my post office, my Frenchtown post office, because they are they they know us. They, they call us at all hours of the day. And, um, you know, we're bringing in thousands of chickens. A, a year, a season, um, but also bringing that new life and as well as witnessing farrowing when baby piglets are born and you know how well, like that is just the best piglets as long the as everything goes well. Yes. And then um, new calves. I mean, I'm the first one out there. I'll, I'll watch a baby calf being born. I'm the first one that usually checks to see what we got underneath the tail. And it's just something that's really special. And I have a relationship with my cows so that I have that um, relationship of them knowing that I'm not there to hurt anyone kind of thing. And I think it's hard to hear that from me knowing that I am a livestock farmer and that the end my the end, the end of the day, we are meat producers. And that's something that I want some people that might be listening or already know, or, you know, that's that's the the we give them that best life on this farm and the the it's it's a relationship it's nurturing it's it's a lot of things and that's something that i i love going out there and just working around animals and kind of seeing the personalities that they have and and just natural instincts that they have and the the pigs you know they notice your voice they know who you are they know who strangers are like they they really animals know they're just so brilliant and that's something that i i love working with animals so yeah i can relate um <clears throat> so then what is your least favorite part of farming so my least favorite part of farming would be harvest, harvest mm -hmm. time. So I know what it does. I know how delicious the meat is. And I know um, that the animals you know, have been raised perfectly and the best nurturing that, you know, handheld. Some of our chickens have been touched by our family multiple times, our pigs as well. You know, our pigs are, it's so funny because there's such a, the people out there that they, they say that pigs are vicious and pigs are things. And when I go into the, into the group of pigs that we have, there's nudging of noses and, and petting. And, and, you know, we have that relationship with our pigs, but at the end of the day, watching those animals load up on a trailer, it, if it doesn't affect you, mm. I, I don't think you have heart and it's hard. No matter if you have that, there's usually not a name to most of them. It's just hard. It's hard seeing those animals go off and like once you kind of out of sight out of mind it gets easier but if i didn't respect the animals like that i don't think that i would still be doing this because the respect and the love and care that i have for those animals goes into how they're raised but yeah the end result is always really really hard which is funny because i think that because i wasn't raised on a farm it's harder for me it's really hard because my kids to get used to for my sure. kids are not as it's not as hard on my kids as it is on me. Agree. And I think that just because they've been, they've grown up around it. So I'll never forget that we had it. We had a mom cow that she just, for whatever reason, because I mean, there's lots of reasons why they, she would not take this one cow. And Ava was very young. I want to say she was three years old. She was still in a car seat. And I'll never forget, like, I was sobbing my eyes out knowing that, like, okay she's, she's kicking this calf. She's abusive to this cow. She's all these different things. We have to take care of this cow, but you know what? Like there's no place here for this because this is abuse. She's abusing her calf and long story short kind of thing. Um, you know, her end, you know, eventually it was time for her to, you know, either go to the market or go into, you know, be producing beef. And at that time we were, she was young. So we were, you know, we were still going to the Hackstown market. And I ended up taking her calf, not taking, having to raise her calf. And I'm raising the calf. I'm crying. I've got a baby in my belly. I had Lucas in my belly at the time. And she's like, all right, off to the market she goes. And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. You're three. You're like four years old. You're not supposed to be telling me. And she gets in the truck with her dad and she puts her little pink car heart on. And she's like, see you later, mom. And I'm just like, still like. And so upset and the emotions that came through me watching this whole thing happen. And I'm like, wow. And, but so she's, and Lucas too, they've been raised 
around this their whole life so it doesn't affect them as much. I know that Ava did mention recently, she did, which is crazy to me because she's not very emotional when it comes to animals. She did mention that it's going to be hard to watch our herd bull move on, whether if someone takes him because she's just like, he's just a mush. And Mm -hmm. she's just, and so that's, I think what it comes down to is, you know, you establish these great relationships with animals. And when you have really good animals, it is harder. Sure. If you get that asshole animal that's <laughs> that's trying to kill you or trying to kill your kids, it's it's a little well, easier. And the reality is that when you're raising livestock for whether it's you know production, meat production, or you're raising them for breeders, yes. like we do, eventually you get to the point where you're going to have coals. You yeah. just they're not working for your program anymore. They're not they're, they have to go for meat or whatever, and you have to make that decision. And it's it's something you have to just sort of like almost compartmentalize in your head, like. You just have to kind of yep. shut it off. It doesn't mean that you're not sad or emotional about it, but mm-hmm. you just have to kind of like put it over here in this spot and yeah. then move on. It's true. And I think that like having kids watching you go through it, like yep. I've always always wanted to be the tough one. So I was always like really tough. And then now that my kids are older, they're so much tougher than me. <laughs> yeah, but I think stuff. you have to allow, you have to allow a little bit of respect for whether it's we want to call it grieving or empathy or emotion, emotional mm-hmm. energy towards it, you have to allow for that. Otherwise, you just become an asshole. Yep. Just like screw it. It's true. It's true. And that's the same <clears throat> thing when you lose when something is supposed to go well and you get a stillborn or something like that. I grieve with that mom. I grieve when she is, you know, she thought she was going to have a calf and she's bawling through the night and that calf hadn't made it. Like these are things that maybe some people don't see on social media. Absolutely. You don't share that. It's hard to share. It's hard because you're going through your own emotions. It's hard because I'm, I'm going through it with her listening to that. And I don't want to share it with someone else that, you know, it's a negative thing, but it, it does, it's reality and it really does. It happens. And I think that that's the hardest thing. And honestly, even as much as men are usually tough, it's still something with them too, because Luke will talk about that certain cow, like, like a few years ago, we had our pumpkin. She had, she had a stillborn and he'll be like, Oh, that's stillborn. And he'll, he'll bring that whole stillborn up because it it affects him in a different way too, because he knows how, how that feels. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, last question. (laughs) This is going to be, um, how do you manage farm life and mom life? So the honest, the complete honest, uh, answer to that question is Mm -hmm. you don't, you, you, you just don't, you don't manage anything. I mean, I, I put it down in my notes and honestly, it's true. I, I used to fly, like just go around and kind of like try to organize my life and schedule my life. And I, and it was easier when the kids were younger. Sure. It wasn't, they were on there a was, more of a schedule or routine or yeah, whatever. And they didn't have these extracurricular sure. things. And Ava Marie, she is involved in everything. And Lucas is my sports kid. So we have a lot going around and from in, in that growing, in that really big, busy season, we're juggling a lot of farming with a lot of extracurricular things. And I look back and I think back to when Ava was in kindergarten and Lucas was young and I, I never expected to even be a sports parent. Like there was no way that that was even going to be happening. Cause also I'm looking at the generations around me and I'm looking at like, okay, yeah, like farm kids are on the farm. They're working and they are, our kids are working. But it's also not fair to them if they pursue something they really enjoy. And Lucas is is our sports kid and Ava is involved in 4-H and a lot of other extracurricular activities. And I'm not going to make the farm kind of like be like, sorry, you can't do that because we have to farm. So I juggle a lot of uh, dropping and picking. And that's another thing where I'm really fortunate to have a husband that will pick up those extra hours. Sorry, I just cracked my knuckles. (laughs) She's yelling at me. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I wrote that it's, it's, it's hard, it's overwhelming and I already said it, but it's long hours, it's long extra hours. So when the sun goes down, that doesn't mean farming stops. I'm washing eggs until nine or 10 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm packaging up orders for wholesales, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursday nights to go out. I'm packing eggs until 
10 o'clock at night for the market the next day or the market that morning. It, it's just extra hours that maybe not everyone sees. And that's when we talk about that nine to five. This, this is 24 seven. Yeah. This is every single day, whether I'm laying awake at three o'clock in the morning, listening to coyotes howling outside. Farming is all the time. And it's just making time for those extra things to be able to be involved with. And you and I both love 4-H and we're involved in that. So I wear a lot of hats. But I try and just now, what I guess if I want to talk now, presently, in 2024, I'm kind of like going through weekly or daily. Yeah. Like, all right, today's tasks are this and I need to get this done before and tomorrow I can try and get ahead. But otherwise, that's as much as I'm managing. That's managing. Yeah. Well, that's that's the truth because there's a lot of moving parts all the time. And I mean, I can go into it in my little interview, but I think I struggled a lot with um like the lack of routine. Not that I've ever been super yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. I haven't, mm-hmm. but sometimes like this, the lack of structure or, or just the things that come up Yeah, and you're like, Oh, I was going to go do this, but now I can't. Mm-hmm. And so that can be really difficult. Yeah. It's true. It's funny because when you have kids, everyone's like, make a routine, have a routine. And I'm I was never myself, good at that. I'm me either. Me either. I could slept in the car. Yeah. Or on me. Or yeah. on me. Yeah. I could slept in my bed for a very long time. Probably longer than mine. Probably longer. Mm. Ava was, Ava, Ava Marie. She was not our sleeper. I want to say six years old. We were still, and it's funny because I'll never forget, like, this is a total mom truth right here. I'll never forget. It was, Ava was our first. So what happened with her? I'm just making sure that ends is closed. Yeah. I saw calf. This is farm life. Sorry. I, um, Ava, when I went to the, do- I was a young mom and I went to the doctor and she was like, so she's sleeping on her back in her crib. Correct. And I'll remember the first time I was like, um, no. And she was like, well, she needs to be doing this and she needs to be doing this and she needs to be doing, and we get in the car and Luke goes, why did you say that? And I said, because I'm not a liar. Yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> but like, she's kind of making you look like the bad one when we know that we are fine with sleeping with her. And then from that day forward, I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. She's sleeping in her crib. Yeah. She's on her bed. I did too. I lied to she my doctors She has no pillow. Too. She has, yeah. Guess what? She's 13. She's doing so Great. yeah, it was the same thing for me. Like we had Aiden and I remember that like the second night at home, maybe even the first night at home, I had this like cradle that my great grandfather made. Mm-hmm. My mom brought up from Memphis for my Special. kids. And I, you know, they did sort of sleep in it, but not really because he would wake up in the middle of the night and I was nursing and it was just like, I was tired and I just would roll over and PJ finally was just like, cause I was like up and down. He's like, just bring him into bed. Yep. And I was like, and then I started looking into it because I kind of was like, I felt maybe guilty or like I was doing the wrong thing. And I realized we're literally the only mammal that makes our babies sleep other places, mm-hmm. like not with us. Mm-hmm. And the second I read that, I was like, oh, we're good. I'm good. And Same. and they slept with us. I mean, I was, I mean, my kids are 19 months apart. So Aiden slept with us until I kind of knew that like I was going to have to there was not going to be enough room, room. for me yep. to like nurse and whatever. And, but then they would still come yeah. into our bed. Yeah, that was never, yeah. Same but I slept. I, I, I did that not was, have night, like sleepless nights because I would just roll over and give them my boob and they go back to sleep and that was it. And that's exactly the same thing with us. It was more, what was more important to us was that the kids were being fed and we were getting sleep. And that was the only way that we were going to get those both yeah. things accomplished. Luke was still doing night shift. So there was nights that I was just by myself yeah. in the bed. So it was just, I'm not getting up to go down the hall to feed my kid when I can actually just have them in bed with me. And I used to beat myself up over it because a lot of people that surrounded myself yes. try the cried out method. Oh my gosh. All these different yes, things. totally. I couldn't do it. And I felt like I was so, I was, I, I felt like because the, the only rea- one. But the, yes, I felt like I was the only one. And the reality is that like, they're fine. I kept, and then I, someone said to me some, I don't know who it was. It was maybe it was a crunchy mom I met or something, but she was like, they're not going to sleep with you forever. Forever. It's not like they're going to be 12. I really thought they might. And then I was like, you're right. They're not going to sleep with yeah. us for, eventually they're going to be mature enough. But like they, there's such a small period of time yeah. in their life that they need that nurturing. And I'm so glad that I didn't, I listened to my natural instincts and I didn't 
like listen to anyone else. Yeah, I'm so glad that we both did the same thing too because it's hard. It's hard to relate, and it, it it's what's best for us. And that's what I even yeah. like how I was talking to you the other day. And listen, same if you want breastfeeding, I want to keep your kid, and they're good. And there's some kids that are just like get into a routine and they do that. That's great for you, mm-hmm. but it just yeah. did not work. Especially working moms that are going off to a job. I get it. I totally get it. You guys have to get up at a certain hour. Yep. You need to take showers. I get it. I, I I absolutely support you. I get it completely. But I also have to say that <laughs> same thing with breastfeeding. I was able to breastfeed. I was very fortunate. I was not breastfed. I was not breastfed at all. My mom actually had no clue about it. Like when, you know, once I had Ava and, and everyone always thought, oh, because I breastfed for almost three years that like I was some guru and that's not the case. And that's the same thing with this, yeah. this management of mom life and farm life and things you got fed is best. And that's what I believe in. And, and I, if you can try, try, if you can't do it, don't beat yourself up. Right. Exactly. It Kids was, e- it was easy for me. Yeah. I, it just came naturally to me. It was like, I, my boobs were amazing yeah. by the way. Same. And, um, and I produced a lot of I milk. I mean, if you see Lucas in the side, the rolls. Aiden was, uh, he would just eat so much that yeah. he would throw up. Yeah. He would just fill himself so much that he would yeah. just throw up. And, and it was easy because what when with Ava and I, I, I did, I did a lot of different things with Ava. I can't say that they were good or bad. I was just obsessed because I loved her. I loved Lucas too, but I just was new. It was all new to yeah. me. So I was just like, I couldn't yeah. leave her. And the same thing with her. She was just always on the boob because it was like, oh, me too. you're crying. All right. That must mean that, this. And that then was... people would be like, what? why is she always on the boob? And I'm like, well, because like, as soon as I saw it's a suit, something, who cares? Exactly. Like, it's a suiting thing. And they're exactly and like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> same thing with sleeping. It was just like, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, well, that's we are. a tangent. That's okay. Mom life. Yeah, it's, it's good. Something. Um, and something we've never talked about. I know. I know. I love that. I love that about it that we talk. We, we're still getting to know one another through. But it, what's funny is that there's so many similarities. I know. Which is awesome. Yeah. I think that's so awesome and special. Okay. So that's I think that wraps it. up your interview. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to share within this awesome new adventure of ours. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of like keep it cut and dry and to the point because there's a lot to cover and we have a lot of life. Hey, this is Hillary. We just wanted to remind you to make sure to check out our Instagram at RBF podcast underscore for weekly updates as well as episode releases and maybe some fun stuff on the side. Thanks. Check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the RBF podcast. Today, we are going to continue our um our interviews of our co-host, which I'm very, very excited about this one. Um, we, I will be interviewing my co-host, Hillary Murphy. And why I love this so much is obviously we're all getting to know you, but more so of me, I really have struggled with getting to ask you a million questions that I want to ask you because I'm saving it for this. So this, oh, so, so, so some of these mm. questions and answers are new to me too, which yeah. I think is super special. Okay, cool. So I'm going to start with, where is your farm? Where is our farm? Our farm is located in Pittstown, New Jersey, which is in Hunterdon County. Um, We bought the property in 2006 and it was kind of a mess. We had to kind of, it basically had been abandoned for about 40. I mean, they were living there, but the guy knew nothing about property management. So it was just like overgrown woods and the guy was a hoarder and, my husband had a massive vision that I was just like, what are we doing? But yes, that's where it is. Wonderful. <clears throat> what do you farm and what's your model? Hmm. So we have been farming primarily goats for the last, um, I guess, 2009. We had our first Kiko goat. They're a meat breed. Uh, they're based in New Zealand or come from New Zealand. We originally started with boar goats, but that did not last very long. Um, they just weren't going to be a good fit for us. And so we moved into the Kikos and we grew the herd. At one point we had over 90 does and we were breeding them every year. And uh, it was a, a lot. Um, but uh, my husband became very successful in the the breeding and the um, 
managing of those of that Kiko herd. And then we we moved into uh, Katahdin sheep. Uh, we've kind of a small flock of Katahdin sheep, and then um, we've dabbled in everything from like chickens and geese and turkeys. And uh, when our kids started to get a little bit older and more interested in stuff, um, they my daughter really wanted pigs, and we knew that like the big commercial pigs were going to be kind of one a nightmare because she wouldn't really be able to interact with them because they're just big and she was tiny and they were going to eat her. And, um, also we had spent so much time getting our pastures and our fields, um, right for our goats and our sheep to graze that we were like, they're just going to come and destroy everything, which they do, which they do. So we discovered these Cooney Cooney pigs. So we moved into Cooney Cooney pigs and my daughter actually kind of does mostly, we, we kind of support that, but she breeds Cooney Cooney pigs. And we've always had livestock guardian dogs. Um, so we've been breeding them since like 2012. And then um, recently, we the kids have been very involved with 4-H. They show goats. They've been showing goats since like 2018 in 4-H. And um, they were always showing the meat Kikos, which they were like the only ones that were showing meat a meat breed, but that was fine. It was great exposure for them and, and good experience, but it really to be competitive in 4-H, they really wanted dairy goats. And so they, last year, yes, last year we bought some Sanin dairy goats and, and last year was their first year um, having them kid out and then milk them throughout the season and then get to show them in the summertime. So that was a fun new adventure for all of us. And then um, also... Uh, my son has been kind of obsessed with cows <clears throat> for a few years and we just kind of kept saying like, no, but like everything he asks for as far as animals, he ends up getting it. I'm always like, no to ducks, no to geese. And then he ends up getting them, but it's a great experience. So we, this actually this December, this past December, he, my, both of the kids want to show cows and they both use their own money and bought two heifer calves to be able to show next year. And then we ended up buying a steer as well because one, they can show it. And two, we want to be able to produce our own beef. Awesome. And uh, what else am I forgetting? Oh, and horses. 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 Um, 2020, we kind of all kind of got back into the horses. I will get into this a little bit, but um, grew up riding horses. So we've kind of incorporated some horses. And uh last couple of years, we've raised our own pigs for our own consumption, our own meat. Um, but primarily we're a breeding operation, um, re of replacement stock. Um, we kind of breed for the, the, the gen specific genetics and characteristics that you want in either Katahdin sheep or the Kiko. And you're also goats. feeding your family. And, and we're like feeding our family. Yeah. That's kind of, we, we, we did start off, um, actually selling goat meat at a farmer's market, but it just didn't work for us. It was too, too much time spent on a day that we really need to be getting farm work done it's it's when you're kind of doing farm work on evenings and weekends because my husband works a full-time job it was one day that we just couldn't give basically all day I, I and so we moved away from selling meat to consumers um and more into the breeding kind of aspect of it where did you grow up I grew up in Michigan <clears throat> until I was about 13, and then my family moved to Portland, Oregon. And I was there until I was 18 when I left home to pursue um, riding horses kind of full-time. So, And then I ended up in Alabama and was there for like... I don't know. So when you were so when you grew up in Michigan and Oregon, did you grow up on a farm? I did not. So we I was a, a kid that grew up in the suburbs. Um, when we were in Michigan, my grandmother grew up on a farm and there was a farmhouse we used to visit um, sometimes in the summers. And I remember a couple of summers, my sister and I would go up there for a couple of weeks and she always had vegetable garden that we'd help her with. And I can't remember. I feel like at some point she had chickens, but I don't, I don't really remember how long that was for, um, but there was a lot of space up there. And we used to pick like raspberries and blueberries, everything. We would pick all the stuff. Um, and make pies with her and spend summers up there with her. So that was, there was not a lot of livestock um, in my life at that time. Um, mainly like 
gardening and stuff with my grandma. And then, but I grew up in the suburbs and I got really involved with horses. And so I was always at the barn. I was always at, at working and mucking stalls and kind of having to work off lessons because my parents are the second of four. So they just couldn't afford, horses are really expensive and they couldn't afford as much as I wanted to do with them. So um, I worked off my lessons by mucking stalls and helping out at the farm. And so I spent every waking hour that I possibly could Talk about passion. Yeah, I was really, really, oof, I was really, really passionate about it. And um, that's why I wanted to pursue it after high school. Wow. So I'm learning all these new things. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine being a farmer? Um, I never imagined the lifestyle that I'm living now. I think I always thought I would live on a farm that had horses. I think that was always something that I really wanted and could see myself doing very easily. I mean, I did live when I was working and living in Alabama. I lived there because I was a working student. And then I was <clears throat> ended up being the assistant trainer and doing a lot of um, managing of daily stuff in the farm. So I, I definitely imagined myself living on a horse farm, but I never imagined this type of farming that we're doing now. All of the farming that you're doing. All of the farming. Yeah. But it, it feels really natural. It doesn't feel um, like my, I remember my mom, cause I, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. My parent, my, my family comes to visit. They're always like, Oh, this is so, this is wonderful. And it's such a great lifestyle. And they, I always feel like maybe they wanted me to live differently or like more like my siblings are. Mm -hmm. But I remember my mom saying one time, like, no, this totally fits. Like, yeah. Because I always loved animals. Like, we got a rabbit, and I was, like, obsessed with the rabbit. And then the, when we moved from Michigan, I was, like, did not want to go. I was, like, no, I'm le not leaving kind of a thing. And they were, like, well, you are because You're we can't leave you here. You're 13. <laughs> but my mom was, like, we'll get a dog. And yeah. so we got a dog. And so it, and I've always had a passion for animals. So it, it fits for me to live this lifestyle that I'm living. Um, but I, I never, it's taken a while for me to settle into it. Like, I honestly feel like really in the last five, four or five years, I'm kind of hitting my stride because there's just so much to learn. And it, it was very overwhelming to grow our Kiko herd from like a handful of goats to like 90. Yeah. And then you have like 180 babies. That's a lot. That's a lot of management. It's a lot. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like trying to manage these two toddlers. Yeah. Uh, they were at foot all the time. And it's been great for them. They don't know any different. But I, str I struggled a lot, I think, um, certain times. And I, I think I also felt like a, um, I loved the lifestyle, but it was so different from everyone else. Yeah. And I, and just witnessing you on your farm, I, I see the confidence that you have now, especially, mm -hmm. but even with your horses, like, like I'm, I am not a horse horse person, so I am not confident. So I love watching you working with the, with your horses because the confidence that you have, so you can almost tell like, you, like, you know, that you've always been around them. It's easy for you and kind of thing. So I think that that is also like, I, I see what you mean with like, it, it was a learning curve, but you got through it. A learning curve. And I do think having the horses has been a really great thing for me because I am confident in them. Yeah. And I, I know what I'm doing with them. I'm, I, it's, it, that's easy for me. So it's, it's really, it's been a good, it's been a good thing. Good change. Well, <clears throat> then now we're going to, what is your favorite part of farming? Um, my favorite part of farming. So my favorite part of farming, um, I honestly, I mean, it would be so interesting to go back like 10 years and see what my favorite part was like 10 years ago. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe the answer would be the same. I really enjoy watching my kids thrive in this environment. I mean, my son is like an old soul and I can't imagine him living anywhere else. I think if we lived in a small house or in a suburb or something like that, it, 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 I don't know. It would be would like happen. putting him in a cage. It would be like putting him in a cage. <laughs> Aiden is a wild thing. So um, watching them just grow up, 
learn all of the things that they're learning, thrive, be confident and and interesting kids to other people, but very, they're very interested in learning everything that they can. Um, my husband grew up on a farm in Ireland and they're farming, like they've been farming since like the 1800s. And so there's like generational aspects of farming that have been passed down for like hundreds of years. And so having a farm ourselves, even though it's not really the same as what he grew up on, he's still passing on all of those things to our kids. So there's not a skip in that generation, Yeah, which there's a few skips in my generation. And I think on average, um, you know, most American families are three to four generations away from farming. Agree. So um, that's probably my favorite thing, seeing them now, um, all the, the skill set they have, not only with the animals and the comfort that they have with the livestock, but the um, they're just so capable and they have wonderful coping skills with lots of different things. That's probably my favorite part. I love that. I love it so much. What is your least favorite part of farming? Mm. Um, <clears throat> my least favorite part of farming, uh, I think, <clears throat> so when you live on a farm, you deal with life and death on average more than probably anybody else yeah. because it's, it's not a daily occurrence, excuse me, but it happens a lot more in your average person. And, um, we're raising animals for meat for our own consumption. Um, we sell into the meat market. Our lambs and our goats get sold into the meat market. So there's always a, you know, that certain animals are going to be raised for meat. Um, and that's sort of something that you just kind of have to go someplace in your head that like they don't get names. Although sometimes the kids name them yeah. and they just, same here. They, they just, they are able to deal with it in a little bit better way, I think, than I've had to, I've had to get there. Yeah. Um, but where it really becomes difficult is when, because we have so many, we're, we keep a lot of our does and our ewes as breeders year round. Like they are born on our property. And if they're what we want for um, <clears throat> good, you know, we're breeding for good feet. We're breeding for good udders. We're breeding for good maternals. We're breeding for all these certain characteristics in our, in our sheep and our goats and they stay on the farm for a long time until we either they get too old or um they're kind of going down they're producing animals that are kind of going down a track that we don't want to go down and so there's that element of having to cull those animals which is always really difficult but then there's also the element of losing animals to you know sickness or sometimes cancer or just sometimes they just something happens like yeah. you just we unexpected unexpected i mean we we we've had some crazy things happen i mean we had a buck one time god we had a buck one time that got his horns stuck we had this like shelter that was out and i was home by myself with like i don't know that they both were little two and three or three and four and i went out or something to check it was a hot day and he'd gotten his horns stuck underneath a, a wood panel that was kind of keeping the, the shelter together. And he basically hung himself or he like twisted himself around and choked himself off. And yeah. like, what are you supposed to do? So, like one, it's so like shocking. And then two, you're like, well, shit. Yeah. And you <laughs> and, almost feel like it says so something, things like that happen. We always blame ourselves. Yeah. Like, well, of course. And then we were like, had to restructure everything because you try to set things up the best you can so that nothing like that happens. But goats are really special in that way that they, they sure if they are. will find a way to get out of something or get themselves stuck in something, they will 100% do it. And so they can be very frustrating to farm. Um, so things like, when things like that happen, it's really difficult. But similar to what you said, watching my kids cope and deal with that has been um really interesting because it's a lot always a lot it's a lot easier now but it was it it's i've had to grow into that <clears throat> that place um but i think 
We lost a dog this winter unexpectedly, and that was really hard. I mean, she was one of our best livestock guardian dogs, and it was unexpected, and it was really sad. And my daughter takes care of the dogs, and she's spent a lot of time with that dog because she's always in charge of the puppies when they're born, and that was really difficult for her. Um, But you have to respect the fact that put in a situation like that, when you're putting an animal down, you're doing it because it's the best thing for that animal. And as much as it sucks and it's really sad and it's really hard, I think if you can get to that place where you understand and respect that it's the right thing for the animal, then not that it's any easier, but you're just able to go through it and cope with it a little bit better. And I see my kids um, being able to grieve and be sad and shed tears, but then deal with it. And I think there's a lot of, so it's a really hard part of farming, but in a way it's, it's one of these life skills that I think have taught my children and even me in certain ways to, to deal with reality up front and center. Yeah. Like there's no beating around the bush. Like you have to deal with this. Like if something's happening with the animal and you have to make a decision, like you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And if that decision is to put the animal down, then you have to do that. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes you don't have time. Yeah. Um, You just have to do it because that's the right thing to do. And I think sometimes there's people who don't want to deal with death and they just, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to ignore it. But it eventually it surfaces up again. And I think dealing with death on a regular basis, whether it's a stillborn, because, you know, that when you're kidding out, you're lambing, like you're going to have things happen. Yep you know, it just every year, (laughs) there's at least one, um, the kids cope and deal with it in a little bit of a better way every time it happens and they're dealing with it. They're dealing with reality and they're moving forward through it. Yeah. It's kind of like paving their, their path. You know, it's it's hard to say that as, you know, because they're very young, but I feel like it, it toughens them up, obviously, but it's one of those things that sets them apart from the other kids in, in the rest. Well, of the- it, and it's, yeah, there's a sense of maturity that comes with it, I think, too. Like they've had to kind of grow up in certain ways and kind of deal with things in a more mature way a lot faster than other people who might not ever deal with death. Yeah. They might ever have a pet when they grow up and then they get a pet when they're an adult and that dog That's eventually true. dies then they don't know how to deal with it. I, I actually didn't realize that until we were going through our own experiences as young adults. Luke lost his dad at 23 years old. So, you know, some of these people, their parents live till their 90s and they're in their 60s. So that was something that we learned at a young age, you know, obviously far, a bit outside of farming kind of thing. And it's true. A lot of kids or people, they, they don't know death. It doesn't knock on their doors as, as frequent as it does for our kids. Yeah. And last but not least, this is an important one for me to ask Hillary because we are both moms, but we mom different in different aspects. So I, I, my kids are in public school and her kids are homeschooled. So I'm excited to hear about how she manages her farm life, mom life. Well, I think I manage it better now than I did before. (laughs) Just, I mean, one, that comes with experience and two, um, it's gotten a lot easier since we started homeschooling. We didn't always homeschool the kids actually. Well, initially, um, I sent my kid Aiden to preschool and he was there for like three months. And I was like, if this is what school is, I'm not doing it. We're out because it was just too much. Um, a lot of different things, but, um, and then we, I kept him home until he was four. And then we did a Waldorf school, which was great because there was that really at the time felt like the only option I didn't even consider homeschooling because I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't, had never known anybody that had done it. Um, and you weren't homeschooled. I wasn't homeschooled and, um, it just never crossed my mind as an option. I think if I had met other people, I probably would have been more confident to do it, but I just felt like they needed to be in school. So we did that until it just didn't work anymore. And it was great while it lasted. I I grew this great community of people and friends that I was desperately seeking, um, which made it hard to leave because, you know, when you become a mom, 
No one tells you how lonely it is. Yeah. And when you live the lifestyle that we live, it's even, I think, I would argue more lonely. I agree. Because um, it's just different. And so many things have to come before everything else. And you've got a lot of moving parts all the time. And the livestock have to come first. I agree. And so that was always a really difficult balance, especially when I was kind of in and around a community of people that just didn't no, they respected and liked that we were living that lifestyle, mm -hmm. but didn't understand why we couldn't all go the same place and why PJ couldn't sometimes come to birthday parties and on the weekends. And like, and so there was a constant pull. I kind of, and I think in a way, sometimes I was a little resentful towards the farm because I was being pulled in these two different directions. You know, I was kind of wearing this hat when I was like, you know, mom mode, school mode, like doing that thing. But then at the farm, I was happy there too. Same. I, and I, I, I loved, relate to this so much. I, I loved being great. part of it and my kids being part of it and they were so into it. But then it was like, I was just this constant pull. And then, you know, those feelings of resentment were hard to deal with because you don't want to resent the lifestyle that you've chosen. But at the same time, no one else is living it. And it's really hard to relate to anybody else. I agree. So that mom life, farm life balance was really hard at that, in that period of my time, but of my life, I think. And we were also were like the busiest ever. Like right. we had the most goats and, you know, PJ would be getting up in the middle of the night, to, you know, he'd be out, you know, it just was crazy time, like mm -hmm. crazy. Um, but when we started, made the choice to start homeschooling, honestly, things just got so much easier because um, it, it wasn't that we were, and I know some people have this, like, they think like homeschool kids are like not social and they're, you know, antisocial and like don't know how to socialize. And that's such a, such a crock of shit, honestly. Love, yep. <laughs> because, I, I agree. Because on, homeschool kids are like, They'll talk to anybody. They can have conversations with adults. They can have a conversation with anybody. My kids are like that. They can actually speak better than most kids, actually. Right. So, um, you know, we were maybe, I don't know if I would use the word isolated, but we just were kind of settled into a really nice routine of like doing all of our farm stuff, not being rushed in the morning to do X, Y, and Z before I got in the car to drive the kids, mm -hmm. um, doing school. And then the kids could kind of, do what they wanted to do. You know, they, you know, Aiden got really into breeding chickens and ducks and kind of raising them out and then got geese, even though I was like, we're never getting geese. And Anna got really into wanting to do the pigs more. And then, you know, COVID hit. And then we were able to kind of really focus in on, because we couldn't do anything else. It was sort of like, we're just going to do all the farm stuff. We're just going to do it all the time because that's all we can do. Yeah. You know, and then the horses came during that kind of period of time and we were able to do them on, with them on the property. And it just was, it's become a lot easier to balance that. And also the kids are so capable and, um, helpful. Like Aiden has been driving the tractor since he was 11 and now he does half the stuff I don't even do. I'm like, Aiden does it. Yeah. Like, you go hook that up because I don't even know how to do it. You do it because dad taught you how to do it. You know, yeah. they're just so helpful and they do so many different things that, um, it gave, it, I feel like I'm not trying to talk for you, but I feel like what your lifestyle gave them that ability to do that Absolutely, because, because they aren't going to school for those eight hours a day. So they, they have their responsibilities, but they also have so much extra time to learn more. Totally. Absolutely. And that is why I, I really love the, the homeschool aspect of things, even though I'm not a homeschooler. Yeah. It, that, and so that farm life, farm life has been a little bit easier in that regard. I mean, there's still, there's still like, you know, all the mom stuff you have to do regardless. Um, cause now they're really involved in, in different activities. Um, so there's the juggling of that, but it's just gotten a lot easier, I think. Yeah. And I'm older. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and they're older too. And they're older. And, and, and that, that really, that does change a lot of 
I mean, it's an obvious thing, but really like when, you know, if you really, when I think back to like when they were so young and I, I just kept thinking about like, Oh, that dreaded, like, Oh my gosh, when it's, when is it going to get easier? When is it going to get easier? And then like kids grow up and you realize like it just kind of falls into place and you're like, Oh, it got easier. Didn't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. And they, they take on some of those responsibilities and it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice balance now, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting because I, I think my husband and I are already, well, more so him because I really try to live super in the present, but he's already kind of thinking about what are we going to do when they're gone? Yeah. That's like five years away. They could just be like, it's, it's coming you're out. Yeah. It's coming. Really so it goes soon. really fast. So we're just going to kind of try to, you know, live do, in the moment, live in the moment yeah. best we can. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. It was, thank a, you. it was a beautiful interview. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. I love it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the RBF podcast. In the next episode, we will be interviewing another badass farmer.